0: Okay, guys, we're going to continue in our discussion today of how to rekindle our desire for the Lord. And we're, we're operating from the premise that we need to be rekindled. You know, there are many things that are going on. You find yourself struggling in your relationship with the Lord. How do you get back to a place, or maybe you've never been to a place, how do you get to the place where you have a desire for the Lord and you want to walk with him, okay, okay? You want to walk with him. And so last week, we looked at some spiritual complaints that the Lord had. Okay, we considered some spiritual complaints that the Lord had about where people were at in the scripture when they were lacking that desire, when they were not following the Lord. Well, we're going to move one step beyond the complaints today, because the question is, okay, yeah, I see what the Lord is saying, I see the legitimacy of what he's saying, so what do we do about it? Okay? Okay. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, that's what our lesson is, is called. Let's talk, okay? God tells them what they need to do. So we're going to start off by looking at another complaint. But before we do that, we're going to break up into our groups again. So what I want you to do is break up into groups, and here are the questions that I want you to think about and struggle with, Okay. First of all, what are the struggles you face when you try to spend time with the Lord? Okay? What are the struggles you face when you try to spend time with the Lord? Do you tend to feel that the Lord hears you? Alright? Do you tend to feel that when you're spending time with Him that He's actually hearing you? Okay? What do you think is causing the hindrances in your relationship with the Lord? That's the second question. Now, because we're in groups of people, I don't want you to get specific, okay? Uh, Like, well, yeah, it's because of this. Now, this is not an air out your laundry session, okay? But just be generic, okay? Just be generic, all right? Um, And then number three is, what can you do to overcome the hindrances? I want you to talk about that among yourselves, okay? So let's go ahead and break up into groups, and uh, we'll give you ten minutes, to discuss these questions with each other. So, what we're talking about here is not a religious exercise. We're talking about a relationship. So, yes, for a religious exercise, a hindrance would be distractions. Okay? But when we talk about a relationship, that's completely different. So, for instance, okay, a lot of you are married. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you are with the person you're having a relationship with, but there's a hindrance in the room right now? It's ice. Do do you understand what I'm saying? Like your discussion, there's ice there. Like so, like if I'm talking to Lori and she's being ice to me, it's not because I'm falling asleep during the conversation. Do, do, Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not because I'm distracted. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm thinking ice. I'm thinking about that rainbow song 30 years ago, Stone Cold. You know what I'm saying? Do, do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I want you to think for a moment. Why would there be ice? What's going on in our relationship? What What's hindering it? Huh? What did you say, Lori? No, no, don't give me a lift. I said we're, we weren't going to air out our laundry here, Okay. But it's usually because there's been an offense, right? So think about your relationships. When there's a breakdown in communication in your relationship, when somebody's not listening to somebody, it's because there's been something, right? Okay. See, this is what we're talking about here. I'm not surprised that you focused on the distraction thing, but that comes out of viewing talking with the Lord as a religious exercise. So you, you got you to go somewhere different. okay? So that that helps start off what we're going to talk about today, because we're going to look, first of all, at a complaint again from the Lord. I want you to look at Isaiah. So go to the Old Testament to Isaiah, to chapter 1. okay? Isaiah chapter 1. We're just going to look at 10 verses. Now I'm going to read these to you uh, here real quick. These are the Lord's complaints, and he's going to tell them what they need to do. okay? All right, listen. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings and of rams and the fat of fed cattle. Do not delight in the blood of bulls or, or of lambs or goats. When you come to me, when you come before me, who is it that required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring me no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of the assemblies, I cannot endure the iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Wow. Now let me just stop for a moment. Who do you think he's talking to here? Who do you think he's talking to? He starts off talking about the rulers of Sodom and the rulers of Gomorrah. Is that who he's talking to here? Now he's talking to Israel. So let's take a look here. First of all, let's look at the problem. Verses 10 to 15 is the problem. Okay, So the Lord exposes their true heart condition by referring to them as Sodom and Gomorrah. He is talking to Israel here. He's talking to the people of God but he refers to them as who, folks? Sodom and Gomorrah. So he's talking about their heart condition here. You know, even though they're doing the right stuff and they're the people of God, they're actually like unbelievers, is what he's saying. Do you understand what I'm saying here? He, he's act They're actually like unbelievers. Let me just make a side note here. So did you understand... The Bible doesn't just say that the sin in Sodom was homosexuality. If you go further into the major prophets, specifically into uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, when he rebuked I believe it's Ezekiel, when he rebukes them, their chief sin that God was disgusted with was their materialism. Wow. Because that caused them to depart from God, and when you depart from God, Romans chapter one verse eighteen says that leads you down the path to that uh, ends up in homosexuality. Yeah. So these folks, he's referring to their heart condition here. Let's go on. The Lord questions the purpose of their religious actions and their sacrifices. He's like, why are you bringing me all these stuff? Why are you making these sacrifices? Why are you doing, why are you praying all the time? You know, so he's he's pointing out here that he doesn't delight in the stuff they're doing. Do do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to be careful because sometimes we can reduce our Christianity down to, did I show up on Sunday, did I give in the offering, and have I read my Bible? Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? That's like reducing your marriage down to that I spend five minutes talking to her, that she cooked me a meal, and that's it. That's not what marriage is, right? That's sure not what the relationship with the Lord is. Do you understand what we're talking about, the religious exercises? So the, the Lord questions the purpose of their religious actions, And and their sacrifices. The Lord hates the hypocrisy of their so-called, of the so-called religion, okay? Spirituality, of their so-called spirituality and their sins. So here they are, they're presenting this, they're doing all the right stuff, but they're hiding. At the same time, they're doing all the right stuff. They've got what going on in their lives, folks? Sins. God sees right through it. Did you understand? God sees right through it, and he hates it. He's making it very clear to the people of God here. He hates their hypocrisy, being one thing towards him, but not really because they're half-hearted, but yet continuing in their sin. And then the Lord states that he will hide from them and not hear their prayers. Do you think that's hindering their relationship? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'll hide from them. No matter how much they seek him, they'll hide from him. Remember we looked at Malachi last week? You cover the altar with prayers and you say, Lord, why aren't you hearing me? And he says, well, it's because of the unfaithfulness towards your wife that I'm not listening to you. It's because of your sin. Okay, so this is the Lord's complaint. Now, the wonderful thing about God's word is this. God just doesn't complain. You ever been with somebody, all they do is complain? Complain. Complain, complain, complain. Complain, I hate this, I hate this. I, you know, we go there and I'm always doing this and the coffee's always hot there and blah, 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 blah. And, and nobody ever says anything what to do, right? Don't you hate that? Complain, but you don't have a suggestion. Okay? I mean, we're all it's just complaining, but don't have a suggestion. God has a suggestion. He's God's got some things he wants them to do. So let's talk about that. The passage tells us very clearly. First of all, the Lord Lord tells Israel to stop and deal with their sin. First thing right off the bat. I want you to look with me. Verse 16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Can't get any clearer than that. Deal with the junk in your life. Deal with the junk. You wonder why I'm not listening to you? Deal with the junk in your life. You wonder why I'm not blessing you? Deal with the junk in your life. You wonder why you don't have peace when you're in the midst of your crisis? Deal with the junk in your life. Deal with your sin. Wash yourselves. He tells Israel, stop and deal with their sin. The Lord tells them to pursue and do what is good. You know, if you're gonna stop doing the wrong thing, then you gotta start doing the right thing. Listen, this is one thing you see over in the scripture. God just doesn't tell you to stop. He tells you to replace. Stop the wrong thing. Replace it by doing what? The right thing. By doing the good thing. Do you understand? A lot of times we're into behavior modification, telling people to stop doing something, but we don't replace it with a good behavior. So like when you go to Ephesians... Take off the old man, Paul says, and what? Put on the new man. Okay? Take off the old, put on the new. So here he's saying, he tells them to pursue and do that which is good. The Lord calls them to get together with him and talk about this. Listen, I want you to focus on that one verse there. Verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean when I say we're going to get together and reason together? What does that imply there? Discussion. That's right, John. So, okay, if I'm going to drive over to Hilesdale because I want to I want to reason together with John, we're going to go to that uh, Italian restaurant there, Leia's, Lea, whatever her name is. Yeah, we're going to go to that Italian restaurant and John's going to get... A cheeseburger there made on an Italian hoagie bun. And, uh, that's really, was good, right, John? And we're going to sit there at the table and we're going to what with each other? Reason together. Now that's an intimate time, right? And we're, we're going to connect and we're going to butt heads, but we're going to reason together. That's what the Lord is saying here. The Lord's saying, come, let us reason together. That's what our lesson's called. Let's talk. Let's talk. God's saying, here's what you're doing. I hate what you're doing. Here's what you need to do. You need to get rid of the junk. You need to start doing good. And listen, folks, let's talk. Let's talk. That's the first thing. You know what? First step, this is what the passage is implying. First step, if you want to rekindle that joy again in your relationship with the Lord, you want our church to be where it needs to be. If we're going to Deal with this drifting that's happening. The way we're going to stop it is, first of all, I've got to acknowledge my sin, do something about it, start doing what's right, and then guess what? I need to spend some time with him. I need to reason together with him. Okay, I need to reason together with him. So he promises, listen, if we do this, he promises what? To cleanse us and bless them again. He promises to cleanse them and bless them again by getting with them fact, here, notice 1 John one 9 is Isn't this what he says in the New Testament? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That comes from having the relationship with him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So here's the thing. But here's the thing. You need to recognize this. If they refuse, they'll be judged. I want you to think with me. We refer to it often, the seven letters to the churches in book of Revelation. At the end, he tells the church at Ephesus, if you don't do this, I will come and take your lampstand from its place. Meaning what? They'll cease to exist. They'll no longer be effective. God warns us. Deal with it. Or, judgment. Judgment. Okay? Now, So let's talk about, we're going to spend the rest of our time here talking about reasoning with him, talking with him, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share these with you. Number one, first of all, we're going to look at several passages here. I'll read them to you. We're going to talk about the Lord's desire for the meeting, first of all. God wants to meet with you, okay? God wants to meet with you. How do I know that? Here's what Proverbs chapter eight, verse seventeen says: "I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me." Ooh, isn't that interesting? God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And but listen to what He says: You got to seek Him. And he promises, if you seek me diligently, you've got to find me. Now this this radiates home with me. Why? Because I think about my wife, uh, and I'm I'm always learning. Because like when I first started dating her, it, it wasn't like, oh, will you go out with me? Yeah, sure. No, I had to pursue her. Do, do you understand? There has to be a pursuit, and then finally, she let me have a date with her. And I'm continuing to have to figure out how to pursue her. Do you understand? Even after all these 26... I haven't done a good job, but we're trying to figure it out. 26 years of pursuing. God says, I love you, but pursue me, and I'll be found by you. Okay? So here's the thing. The Lord dearly loves those who love him and will meet with those who seek with him. That's his desire. You don't have to wonder, does God want to meet with you? He wants to meet with you. He loves you okay? He loves you. This is the first thing, alright? He loves you. Here's the manner of seeking. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart, with your heart. Do you understand? When you seek him, you'll find him, but the key thing is you've got to seek after him with your heart, it's got to be important to you. It's got to be important to you. So here's the point. The Lord states that he will be found by those who seek him with their whole hearts. How important is it for you to get with God? Think about that for a moment. If, if like, you know what? If you've got a health problem, And you call up and you want to make an appointment and they'd say to you, well, you know, uh, let's see, this is September, we'll see you in January. Well, that's normal, right? Yeah, but you know you've got to get in there. What do you do? Do you say, okay, I'll see you in January? No, you're like, no, no, excuse me. Do you have something next week? I'll take anything. Put me on the list soon as there's an opening, I'll be there. I'll drop what I'm doing. I'll be there. Why? Because you want in there, and you'll do whatever it takes to get in there, right? You've got your whole heart in this. Because you've got to see that doctor, right? And sometimes that works, right? God's the same way. How important is it for you to get with him? If you want to get with him, he'll meet with you, but you got to have your whole heart in it. Got to have your whole heart in it, okay? So again, he wants to meet with you. He'll be found by you. Got to have your whole heart in it, all right? Now here's the other one, the, re- the um, reward. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and listen to this, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's the reward, guys. Your faith is key to seeking the Lord with your whole heart. First of all, you've got to believe that he wants to interact with you. You've got to be convinced that God is meeting with you. Faith is the key. Now, here's the other thing. The Lord promises that he will reward those who diligently seek him. Listen, now here, here's a scoop. This is why we're looking at this. You're saying to yourself, I... I'm tired of my relationship being flat. I want more out of my relationship with God. I'm tired of my commitment levels being low. I'm tired of me drifting away. I want to do something about this. All right, well, how serious are you? Because you can give lip service to a lot of problems. You know, I I can say all the time when I go to McDonald's, I am sick of the flies in here. I mean, there's flies in McDonald's. You ever been in there buzzing around? And you can sit there, I'm sick of the flies, but I keep going back there. But if I'm serious about that I'm sick of the flies, I'm going to do what? Find another McDonald's or go to Taco Bell or something. you, do you know what I'm saying? You're going to do something. God rewards those who are going to do something, who are going to seek after him. Do you understand? Here's what I want you to see. Now, here's what I want you to see about this. Here's what we're looking for. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't that what we're seeking? God's filling in our life? The Spirit of God being filling us? That's what we're wanting. That's what brings... New life to our life is the Spirit of God filling us. That's what he calls us to, right, Ephesians? Be not drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit of God. How serious are you? Now, here's the wrong motives. We're going to spend our last couple of moments here on the wrong motives. Because when we talk about this, we're talking about revival. That's what we're talking about here. God, revive me. God, revive our church. Here are the wrong motives for revival. Because you hear revival talked about all the time on the radio. People are talking about revival all the time. They've got wrong motives for the revival. Here are the wrong motives. First of all, because of our self-reliance, we don't ask God for anything. Here's what James says. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Listen to what he says. You lost and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Now he's talking about selfishness here. Okay? Yet you do not have because you do not ask. He's talking about prayer. So we're spending all our time doing whatever we can to get stuff, but we don't ask. Then he says, verse three You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. We've got wrong motives in our prayers. Okay, let's talk about this. Because of self-reliance, we don't ask God for anything. Number two, when we do ask, the Lord does not answer because our motives are selfish. So listen, you want that relationship with the Lord, you've got to ask yourself why. Because if your motives are wrong... It ain't going to happen. If you're praying for revival, it's not going to happen if your motives are wrong. Here's the wrong motives. Here's the first one. Revival will clean up our society. That is a wrong motive for you to want to have God show up to clean up your society. Folks, they had Jesus. It didn't clean up their society. Okay? That's the wrong motive. That's not going to clean up your Revival's not going to clean up your society. Now, there have been in times past where revival did clean up the society for a little bit, but for instance, like for instance, you'll, everybody will say, the Welsh revival cleaned up well, Wales. Yes, but Wales was a province in Great Britain. It didn't clean up all of Great Britain. Do you understand what I'm saying? Revival can happen and maybe we'll clean up Clearfield County, but the rest of the the rest of the state may be in the tank. Do you understand? It doesn't clean up society. Revival will clean up society. That's a wrong motive. Here's the second one. Revival will restore our culture. Which culture? What are you talking about? I've been a believer now since 1985. I'll be honest with you, since 1985. Has our culture changed since 1985? Oh yeah, it's changed since 1985. Everybody would say it's worse. I wish we could go back to 1985. Yeah, but I remember in 1985 we were praying for revival in 1985 to what? Restore our culture. We've been praying for revival every year since 1985 to restore our culture. But the culture keeps going down. Which culture are we wanting to restore to? God doesn't restore cultures. God redeems people. Do you understand? He redeems people. And we should know by now in the church when he redeems a person, does he clean everybody's act up? When people come to Jesus, do they automatically become perfect people? Look around the room, see if there's a perfect person in here. There isn't. What? Maybe. Oh, hi, Mike. Okay. That's the perfect corner over there. Okay. All right. Do do you understand what I'm saying? That's the wrong motive. Wrong motive. Misguided motive. Here's the other one. Revival will make the culture like the church. Which church? Really? We want the culture to be like us? Yeah, there's there's some people like, if we have revival, then we'll all be... No, seriously. Have you read the news lately? There's a whole lot of churches that aren't doing too well morally, okay, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. This is the reality of revival. I want you to understand this point, because when we hear people talk about praying for revival, they talk about it in terms of going back. I want you to understand the biblical concept of revival. Here it is. Revival will never bring you to some past point. It will bring you to where God wants you to be. You understand? Revival is not bringing you to some past point. Revival is about bringing you forward to where God wants you to be in your personal life, in our personal lives, and where he wants our church to be. That's what revival is. You understand? What do you mean? Well, listen to these words from Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, here's what Jesus said. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. That's what he wants for you. That's what revival does. It doesn't take you to some past point. It brings you to where you're supposed to be in your relationship with Jesus. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. I've been a believer now since 1985. I've had some wonderful years walking with the Lord, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think of a year yet that I could say, wow, that's the abundant life. I'm experiencing the fullness of Jesus in my life the way I'm supposed to. But yet he promises that. Is his promise empty? No. He's got to be the one to bring us there, right? That's the proper motive. See, what does he say in Isaiah? Come, let us reason together. Let's talk And if you're wholeheartedly seeking after me, remember all these verses we just looked at? I'll be found by you. And here's what, remember what Jesus said? How much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you what? Ask. If you ask. If you ask. All right, here's the personal question. Here's what I want you to wrestle with. Take this home with you. Think about it, okay? Will you make the decision to get serious about seeking God And His renewal in your life. That's what you gotta wrestle with this week. Will you make the decision to get serious about seeking God and His renewal in your life? That's your decision. I can't make that decision for you. That's a question that I personally have to wrestle with. You gotta wrestle with it too.